Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon, and I thought now I have a window opportunity. I'll take a time and the opportunity now to talk about the Parsha this week, uh, which is Re'eh. Um, today's talk, today's podcast is being sponsored by uh, my good friend the Radiant in Florida because their son Nathaniel is getting married this Hashem, this coming week. You're all invited to the uh, wedding of Nathaniel Radin and Ruthie Hoffman. In New York, you, it's easy to find you. New York's on the map. Um, I don't know how I'm. I'm supposed to go. Amir Sashem, I'll be there, planning to perform the wedding. But I understand Cuomo shooting people that try to cross the New York border. So we'll see how that works. Maryland is one of those outlawed states. It's a funny time we're living in, my friend. But seriously, we wish the Ravens a great deal of simcha. This is the first ship they're launching. The first kid getting married. I know what that's like. Launching your first ship. And everything should go well. Uh, Ray's a funny parsha. Well, they're all funny, you know. But the point is that um, Ray is all full of the, as is all of Tvarim, uh, right? They're all full of these strictures. When the part of Moses warning the Jews about this and that and the other thing, and uh, you could re- the language is vague, and so you can read in a lot of different ways. And uh, the Rambam, uh, for, for some reason I was drawn to this week, uh, you know, not surprisingly reads things in a very intellectualistic manner. And this, this part is chock full of heresy warnings uh, about a Novi, you know, bad, bad prophet, a Mesis, a Madir especially, Yernadachas, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, uh, heresy is a very interesting concept because it's not, it's not a, another religion, that's a, that's a missionary, you know? Heresy is somebody from your own who's trying to subvert the existing religion. So that'd be a Jew who says, let's worship idols. You understand? Naturally, you expect a guy's going to say that, and you'll have wars with them and so forth. But this is, you know, one of, one of your own uh, flesh and blood. And, uh, of course, Jewish history is, is replete with both. Correct? We've had uh, external enemies. I still do, and of course, then we have internal enemies from within. It's a very interesting fact that Moshe predicts, I mean, you know, uh, warns about this. But my attention every year when I come to Ray is always drawn, as I believe it was last year, to his famous phrase, Lo Sasun King Lashem which I think is twice. Um, one is where it says, Vibaratem, you know, when you get to Israel, uh, <laughs> don't keep the idols. You know, you walk into a, a house, You'll own a farm. They used to belong to a Canaanite, a Chivi, a Moriprizi. And they might have a giant Buddha in the back. And the thing is made of solid gold. You know how it goes. The guy said, listen, I'll get rid of it tomorrow. Meanwhile, I could use a little bit of that gold or silver, whatever it is. Or, more to the point, maybe it's a good lucky charm. People just like that. They'll go for lucky charms. I, I think I mentioned to you, I'm sure I have, that I was once on... Um, 
did a history trip to Spain, you know, with a group, one of my groups. And you go to Cordoba where the Rama lived. And the Spanish have a statue, I believe bronze. And the shoe of the Rama, of Maimonides. Uh, you know, obviously it's uh, imaginary. But it's a statue. He's sitting on a chair. It's uh, out in the open. It's a bronze statue. And the foot is oriental shoe, like a kind of Aladdin type shoe. That's people wore in his time. And it's very shiny. And the reason it's shiny, all the people getting married in Cordoba, the Goyim, they believe it's a good luck to go and rub the, the shoe of statue of Maimonides. Gives you good luck. <laughs> of all the people. The Rambam, you know. He's the one who said, I don't believe in good luck. In luck. So today's Pasha warns about all these things. And the Rambam, who's the counter of mitzvahs, you know, Sefer Mitzvahs, believe you me, if you want to see something interesting, just go to Sefer Mitzvahs and you'll see Lo Sachmolov, Lo Sechasolov, Lo this, Lo that, and you know, um, each one is a separate love. For which he's taken the test by the Rambam. But nevertheless, uh, the fact is, anything involved in intellectual deviation, intellectual uh, sinning, it's a big deal uh, to the Rambam, because that's who he is. He's Mr. Big Deal on Intellectual Sins. Uh, I would remind you, the Rambam says, anybody who thinks that God could have a goof, is a, he's a man, he's a pakaris, whatever the language is, I think he's one of the meaning. Notice he's burning in hell forever. And, you know, that's pretty harsh. Um, the Ravid very famously says, suppose somebody's a from guy and he thinks God is a goof. He's wrong, right? That doesn't mean he's chai, he's chai to burn in hell forever. He's wrong, he made a mistake. Believe me, most from Jews, it's almost impossible not to make a mistake, you know? Because if you want to be technical about it, if you want to be Maimonidean, whatever you think of God can't be true. You get what I'm saying? Because he's beyond. You know, create everything different, any idea you can think of the created idea different can't be identical with the idea. And so on and so forth. So what are you going to tell me? Everybody's a min? You know, you get into that. But the Rambam was indeed this uh, rigid intellectualist. And uh, he's always striving for intellectual uh, uh, rigor, which is a good thing, and um, consistency. And then it's not push it. No, then a, then a Jew has big obligations. The Ram would say, that means, you know, you have to, uh, let's, let's put it this way, you have to undertake a, a diligent bedikas chametz, meaning you have to go through all your deus, all your opinions, and burn out the false ones. You can never actually get the right one, if you follow what I just said, but your duty in life is to burn out the false ones. That's just interesting, you know. Now, this part says a lot of that. So one of them says like this, when you get to Israel and you see these statues, destroy him. It's a great length in those psukim, cut down, chop down, burn, destroy, and this, that, and the other. And, and then it's like this, <laughs> really? What does that mean? Uh, now, the push-up shot is, there, there is no push-up shot. You know, what, what do you mean? You shouldn't go and uh, you know, chop down the statues of God? You know, what, what does that mean? There's no push-up shot. So some of you before I should say, uh, first to the Macomas. You know, don't have a lot of different uh, uh, temples. Like, they did have one simple temple. Kim um, but the Rambam indeed says, it's very interesting. I don't want to get too long to show people because it'll get confusing people. 
But the Rambam uh, follows the Sifri that I talked about the other day. Menesh It's not in the Gemara. And he says, Indeed, you're not allowed to destroy the Temple. When you'll come to Jerusalem and build a base on me this one day, doesn't specify exactly where, but one day, um, you're not allowed to destroy it. The thing that I just told you to do with the Geisha stuff, you know, uh, and all that stuff, Temple. Really? It's necessary? And that, according to the Rambam, that is one of the 613 mitzvahs. It's complicated because the Gemara gives other interpretations of that verse. When it says, they talk about the laws of a cipher in the Torah, you know, Mechikas Hashem and all that. Uh, Rambam, all the Rambam say this. I opened up the Mitzah Melech because this in Lo say number 65, if you're interested in pursuing this subject. And I see, he says, Kolol Rambam is a gimel in Yonim. Then under this Pasuk, which says, Lo Sasun Kein Lashem Lokechem, the Rambam in different places, well, actually here, itself in Sefer Mitzvah, says it refers to Bati uh, Avoda, which, which is weird. Uh, in other words, hope I'm not being confused. Let me read you a passage from the good uh, translation. Most of the translations of Sefer Mitzvahs are no good, including, unfortunately, the one that this guy likes. He meant to use this for the Mitzvah Melech. But uh, what's-his-name has the correct Arabic translation? You know, uh, Kapach. And he says, Mitzvah Samachai, this is Losa say number 65, this is the Rambam Sefer Mitzvahs. Ha'asar Shalom Lintot says, Bote Avodos Hashem Yisala. You're not allowed to uproot and destroy the base of Megdash. <laughs> really? It's necessary to tell Jews, don't destroy the base of Megdash? Isn't that kind of weird? And that's one of the 613 Mitzvahs. And I repeat, I just pulled that out with the Rambam Sefer Mitzvahs. Okay? So he's counting up the 613 mitzvahs. In addition to that, you can't be mechikas Hashem, you know, and uh, what else? And you can't be sorev for uh, Atzei Hegdish. You know, technical things. But what jumps out to me is, really, when you'll one day have the wonderful opportunity that you long for, it's the peak of all Jewish experience, that get to Israel, get to Yerushalayim, you finally conquer Yerushalayim, you'll have the ability, like in time of Dov and Shlomo, you'll build a base and make sure all the rest of it, Listen, don't destroy it. That's, that's a love. <laughs> that's a love. That's crazy. You know what I'm Why was it that? Let me put it this way. What it, to, to take it seriously, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu see you know, a kind of necessity for warning the Jews not to do that? I mean, I think, it's, I think the question is a good question. It's better than the answer you can come up with. If you pay me money, I could come up with an answer. You know, And if I was really uh, from me, you could give like a little sermon and all that, and you know, don't do a sin of which will cause the corner basin makes blah blah blah. You know, like a mashkir somewhere in the yeshiva. But seriously, why is it, it? Let me put it this way this question jumped at me. Why is it necessary to say, do not destroy the basin of English? Now, this is the halachic system here. So, you know, once the Rishon Maron get a hold of it, you can't break off a piece of the Mizbeah, you know, der hashchasa, all that stuff. But the basic, you saw it is. Do not destroy the temple. Uh, now, let's consider that. In Jewish history, there were times when people, well, they didn't exactly destroy the temple, but they messed with it. So I'm not exactly sure what you call that. They kind of destroyed it. You know, not in the typical sense of knocking something down, but it's complex. Because I remember some of the kings of Israel, or Yehuda, I should say, were wicked, because they're the ones who had the temple, they're the ones who ruled Jerusalem, had the base of Migdash. Uh, Ahaz, to, to take an example, 
I remember it's either Devayam or Mwachan. Uh, Achos was super wicked. He killed all the people who learned the Torah. That's what they say. Anyway, so that's so that wicked he was. And then he burned every Sefer Torah to get his hands on. Every Sefer Torah. And um, then he had, he was invaded had trouble from um, the two northern kingdoms from the kingdom of Israel plus the kingdom of Aram. And he asked for help from the king of Ashur. That's the story. And eventually the king of Ashur, for his own purposes, wiped out Aram. Uh, and later, after Ahaz wiped out Israel, and uh, Ahaz wanted to kiss up to him, and I believe he went to Damascus, and there he fell in love with the Assyrian altar. If, I think that's how the story went. To notice, he saw a different Mizbeach that they used in the Avodazar uh, place in Damascus, and he fell in love with it, and he said, that's what we went in Beit Samikdash, and he ordered the coin to remove the altar, the Mizbeach, you know, the big Mizbeach outside, in the Beit Samikdash, and put it on the side, and instead, construct this other altar. So, I mean, is that Losasun Kin Yeah, I mean, they didn't destroy it, but he put it aside and uh, used a different one. Uh, you know, I don't know. Clearly, they messed with the furniture and the furnishing the base of Migdash. Must have been in destructive fashion. What really jumps more to the mind is um, the idea of Hamidut Selim Behechel. Right? And doesn't that sound like uh, what he's talking about? Um, we not long ago had the three weeks, and Shabbat Shabbat of course. The one thing they do in Shabbat Shabbat is they put it to, to, to we're mourning that though on that day, in some time or other, somebody put a Telem in the Hechel, an idol in, in Kodesh HaKadoshim. And uh, wow. Now, there is a Yishalmi that says it was a Jewish king that did it, Menashe, which is totally possible. And, uh, you know, is that Losasun Kin Lashem Okecha? You know, he, he didn't, was he, so, t- notates it? I mean, you want to be technical, did he knock down the bricks? You know, not like that, but it's pretty bad. Let me put it this way, where I come from, it's pretty bad. Uh, second of all, let me, on the other hand, it, and by the way, I had this thought while I was going for a walk this morning, because that's all I can do. There's no swimming now. JC's closed because of Corona. The, um, it's just interesting. It says, Hamidut Selim Behechol. That's the famous expression. And Selim is not exactly a statue. Selim is an image of a person. You understand? Uh, this is actually interesting. Because ancient uh, paganisms, depending on where you were in the world, now I'm not the world's expert in this. I know more than some, less than others. But paganism generally around the world have been divided into two sorts. Those who are exclusively human and those who are also animals. Right, uh, for example, in Egypt um, and many other places, there are a zillion gods out there. Every Bahama and Chaya and the Remes and Tzipurkanov, they're all uh, there. There are statues of them, and there were a temple stem and shrines, even alligators. I'm serious. This is true. Um, and I recently did a, a, a series on my YouTube channel on the um, Jews of Lithuania. If you go on, look, the ancient Lithuanians, who were pagans until the 12-1300s, they used to worship lizards. You know what I'm And in the backwoods, they still do. They used to worship lizards. So this is uh, one type of uh, of, uh, of Odazara. And then there's the Greco-Roman kind, which is exclusively human. You get it? So the Greeks, and therefore the Romans after them, 
stuff. They couldn't understand that people would make statues to animals and stuff like that. After all, I own an animal. I ruled the animal. Why should I look up to the animal? And, uh, you know, they could never understand an eagle as elf story. Uh, now, if you tell me you put a, a big picture of a, of a Greek god to represent, you know, whatever, that they could hear. And that's why we have all these famous Greek and Roman statues. And, uh, and you still do. If you've ever been in Rome, the place is chock full of idols of statues of various forms of the human. But at least you hear like this, the human is the peak of creation, the smartest of the creatures. Uh, what about the other ones? It says, Now, the only reason I say this is, the Pashim shot is that the Greeks did it. There is a Chazal that say that it's referring to the Mishnah that says, you celebrate or commemorate Shabbat Thomas, Hamidut Salam Behechel. So they say, Pashim shot, the Greeks did it, but you could also, there are Jewish sources that say that it was um, a Jewish king that did it during the Vice-Rishon period. Either way, it's bad. Greek would make more sense, historically. And then you say like this, inside the Kosher Kedoshim, you put an ideal statue, to, you know, God is a, a person, or at least a, not a person has a human form, um, in the idealized sense. Uh, that's actually kind of dangerous, because, uh, you know, people really fall for that. And uh, you have this low sasem kim Hashem uh, It's not knocking down the building, but de facto it is. I don't know, it's just, I repeat, it's strange to me the Moshe Rabbeinu goes such lengths to warn, especially if you go like the Rambam, it's one of the technical mitzvahs, you know, don't destroy the base of Migdash. Why, you know, why would the Jews think of destroying the base of Migdash? Um, I, they, they would rather keep the building and uh, profane it. Uh, that some Jews have done. Um, but destroy it, it's hard to understand. In addition to that, you also have the possible Sasuke in connection with what I talked about last year with the syncretism. Because it says over there that, um, uh, uh, you know, I think, I believe that's how it goes. That um, when uh, a person might say, I want to practice Judaism using the means that the pagans use. So that would mamish be hamid tzel mehechol. That that would fit. Uh, you know, uh, it's the other little sasin king. Echa yavda goyim el eselahen. That's in king gamoni. Could be that Ochaz Menashe these other guys. Basically, what they wanted to do is say, I want to worship God the way the goyim do, and the essence. Of the way the Goyim do is, they fashion God according to what they want. Uh, that's the trick. That's the scary, slippery slope. Every nation that makes a God, creates a God that, you know, personifies what they wanted to personify. If it's a good God, they want to feel the good. If it's a bad God, they want to feel bad. It's interesting. Then after they made it, then they'll say we're under this God's control. Well, no, you invented the system. You created the, re the religion. We, I just think, we have a situation. We didn't create God. God created us. And therefore, there are a lot of do's and don'ts and things like this, which somebody might think is a pain in the neck. Doesn't matter. You got to do it anyway. Something makes no sense whatsoever. You say, well, then 
I'll live without understanding it, or maybe one day I'll understand it. It's a completely different attitude. It's an attitude of a hachno, that they call it, you know, submissive. I'm dealing with something greater than myself. I have to relate to God in, in that sense. Uh, that's a big danger. The Judaism shouldn't fall into that. They could hear very well. Because Echa, you have the Gaimel, what's the fashion out there? Fashion would be, let's say, for example, if it's the Romans, the God will be a military God. You know, usually gods have some kind of military garb. Uh, so Hashem Yishmachama, you know, you can find sources for that. And if we're the God you're going to worship, uh, the Tzalm and the Hechel, so to speak, will be something warlike. And somewhere else it'll be this way. And somewhere else it'll be that way. That what you end up doing is you fashion a God that kind of, you know, let's put it this way, supports your system, never subverts your system. And the God of Israel is always there to subvert the system if things aren't going the right way. That's the famous role of the prophets of Israel, the Nevi'im. They used to come and tell the um, the uh, the kings, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you know, you know, you're off the derech, and so forth. You don't find this um, in pre-Judaic religions. Uh, it was just interesting. Now you find it in Christianity and Islam because they copied it from us. But you don't find it in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. The priesthood is always subservient um, to the crown. But of course the crown makes sure to uh, support the priesthood. This is the famous story of Joseph and the uh, famine. Remember? He said everybody's land got to go to uh, Pharaoh except Rak Admasa Kohanim. Except the Egyptian priests, in which Pharaoh's kind of going to deal with him. He said, I'll support you, but on the other hand, you preach on my behalf. So the gods want you to worship Pharaoh. Uh, this is the Losasun Kel Hashem Lakechem. Echo Yavda Goymeh Selon Vesen Ken Gamani. You, um, uh, it's very easy to create a God who supports the current political fashion or uh, intellectual fashion. So, for example, for example, today in America, or most places, God has to be a liberal. I'm not talking about Trump and Biden. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about culture in general. God has to be a liberal. Uh, people say like this. I've had this all my life. Uh, God could not have made a Holocaust. Really? Okay. What they really mean is like this. The God I want to believe in is not a God that can make a Holocaust. If he is, I'm not interested in that God. That's so Sassu and Kein doesn't matter what you're interested in or not. This guy made a Holocaust. Get over it. You understand? The God I believe in, perhaps someone says, is love. It's charity. It's good. Really? Really? What about all the suffering? Where did that come from? Well, God didn't do it. Really? So in other words, you put God only for good things and what you like. Everything else you put somewhere else. We don't believe in this. Everything comes from Hashem. People have free will. You know, that's true. But the broad... March of history is under divine nudging all the time. It's the basic uh, of the Jewish faith. You, 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 every day, anybody who's a from person who looks at the current events, and I'm, I'm sure many of you do, you see a little divine poking here and poking there. For example, Israel's getting in trouble with this. All of a sudden, the whole dog on Beirut goes up in flames. Yeah, like what happened with that ammonia explosion or something like that? Yeah, it came out of nowhere. If you follow the world a little bit more, you see Greece is now threatening war with Turkey. Hmm, I wonder how that's going to turn out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, China's, trying, China's trying to project 
imperialism into the Middle East and clashing with the Iranians. They're trying to work all that out between them. How's that going to, you know, they're going to build a big road. How's that going to work? All these things, we believe, are Shem moving in there, uh, you know, controlling things from, from behind. So you can't say, you know, uh, gee, uh, God brought all the uh, good stuff this week, but all the riots in America and breaking the windows, that was from somebody bad. Everything coming in Hashemayim. You get it? Otherwise, once you say, this is what Hashem does, I don't believe in a God that does that or that, you're saying that what you believe and what you don't believe is identical with reality, and that's the great fear. Because what you believe and don't believe is your personal, subjective you know, view of things. It's not identical with the view of reality. We know in the Torah, sometimes God does good things, sometimes God does bad things. What I mean by bad things is brutal things. Okay? We just had the parasha of the war of Midian. They say, kill all the women, kill all the children, and so forth. That's how it goes. At the same time, you have other places in the Torah where it says, don't harm anybody. you got to work it out. But don't give these simplistic things. Otherwise, you're violating losasun kin l'shem l'kechem. Because you're doing eich hayavda adon mehem m'selahem. That's saying young gani. The gani always make a religion, you know, to fit themselves. And uh, now, we Jews, to be perfectly honest, we have a nice dose of that also. You have a lot of rabbis and writers down the ages who say, you know, Jews are great, can't do anything wrong, this and that and the other. And that is the basic of Judaism. On the other hand, same time, there's a lot of criticism because after all, we're well, in Gaul's a couple thousand years now. Can't be everybody's uh, perfect and peachy king. Must be something fundamentally wrong in the state of Judaism today. And every from Jew, I, well, every thoughtful from Jew will be the first one to tell you, there's a lot wrong in Judaism today, right? What about your group? There's a lot wrong in your group. Matter of fact, I think I mentioned this once. I read a book. Mm, I don't know, man. Uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that, maybe more. This guy interviewed um, in the library, maybe 20 Balshubas, something like that. Maybe it wasn't Balshubas, maybe it was, I can't remember. Riskin was one of them. But I, maybe they're all, I believe he had, I think they all were Balshubas. But whoever wrote it was a very modern Orthodox writer. And what was interesting is each person told the, the story about how he or she uh, came to be observant. And at the end, the, the, the interviewer, can't remember who it was, um, asked him, he said, all right, now you found, you know, a Torah mitzvah, or said, are you happy? Meaning, have you reached nirvana? And the answer was always no. Uh, not happy. That's very real. I was impressed with it. Because they're saying, you know, I thought things would be perfect once I become from. I'm glad I'm from, but that doesn't mean things are perfect. That's real. You get it? Otherwise, you create a fantasy land. And, um, then the next generation, the kids grow up and they don't have the same fantasy that the parents do when the kids go off to Derek. You see it all the time. So it's just very heavy that Moshe is laying this on before he dies to uh, the B'nai Israel, which means he has real fears that they, if they build a temple, they will destroy it. And not only that, they'll put a Selim in the Hechel, so to speak, meaning they will try to construct um, Judaism's that, um, you know, are, are like the, the way the Goyim do. And this is Mamish what you have today. I'll just say two words, Tikkun Olam. You know, all the non came with this business, which is baloney. It's a big lie. Tikkun Olam. And because of that, you got to do all these liberal things. Right? Now, uh, there isn't, as I don't need to tell you, there's no such thing as Tikkun Olam. But But it, it conforms to current notions of um, 
of cultural liberalism. Cult, I repeat, cultural liberalism. Whether or not one should be a liberal is a separate question. That's a matter of politics and personal view, and there is a plus and minus on each side of that. That's what you call a debate in politics and culture, which can always be helped. Don't be you know, stupid and say, I hold this way, I hold that way. Then there's reasons to be liberal, there's reasons to be conservative. These are classic issues in political thought for thousands of years. Okay? But to say you have to be liberal because Judaism says you have to do it, and Judaism says you have to do it because it believes in Tikkun alone or something like that, that's a lie. That's just a lie. That's Echa Yavda Gamma Ahim Sellahan. Es that can't got money. Los also can't last some location. So you know, Moshe therefore is being very sophisticated in his warnings that uh, you know you have to stick to to real Judaism, whether it's palatable for you or not, based on the cultural times in which you're living. Okay, this has to do with attitudes towards sexuality, has to do with attitudes towards um, war, has to do with attitudes, you know, towards different to others, other groups, other peoples. Uh, you can't justify for modern. American liberal terms, you have to kill every Amalekite. Really? Including children? Yeah, you gotta kill them all. I mean, you know, an American can't handle that. Uh, Torah says, well, it must mean something else. I get it. But I'm trying to tell you, that's the trap. Now, by the way, sometimes it goes the other way around. Somebody may be such a big right-winger that they can't take any liberal things you find in the Torah. Okay? Um, you know, there's plenty of that also. Uh, so, uh, as I said before, Moshe was really giving um, some heavy advice. On the other hand, I find this interesting, when he gets to the heretic, the Mesa Medir, as we would say today, the person wants to lead the other one astray, and they see some Medir, boy, lose a temper. Uh, I should really open a Chumash and find this. He said, Lo Sachmolo, Lo Hello, this and hello, that. Boy, he just and and we interpret that again. If you go just following the Rambam in in um in strictly halachic terms, shall I say, right? In uh, strictly halachic terms, he'll say uh, words to the effect that uh, one of the six hundred thirteen misses is that uh, you're not allowed to uh, uh, what's the right word? You're not allowed to have pity. Oh, I know. You're not allowed to refrain from losikum uh, lositor on a mesis. Isn't that interesting? Right? You have to uh, hate him and bear the grudge. I repeat, it's one of the six and thirteen mitzvahs. You have to hate him and you have to bear the grudge. Uh, where is it here? The, the, the language with the musas. Yeah. Listen, uh, number 18. Mitzvah Lo Sase number eighteen. It's on the safer mitzvah. Hazar Shah Huzar Musa Shlo Yakal Benatira Lamesis El Khaivlintor Sabahrah. Ukshaina Notulo overall Mitzvah Lo Sase. That's that's very interesting. Let me put it in simple English. If a guy tried to make you not frub, to use modern terminology, try to leave you out to dare. Which was very common, you know, once upon a time a hundred years ago in Russia and place like that. Uh you have to uh, fan the flames of the hatred of the guy for the rest of your life. You know, it says in the Torah, can't have, uh, take vengeance, can't bear a grudge. 
So here, you have to maintain the grudge. So, let's say I was walking the street, and you came over and you said, I guess, I want to tell you I proved you God doesn't exist, and you have to keep the turn all the rest of it. I basically got to get your name, and uh, get a photo of you, and uh, keep it around. And according to this, you know, every day I got to check in and, and open the, from my wallet the picture of you, and say, I hate you, you schmo, you this, that, and the other. And if I don't do that, she said, ain't a no too low, over a low sase. Which is remarkable. So Moshe is really worried. Again, something very interesting psychologically. Because if you, you tried to leave me off the deck, so at the beginning I'm angry, I resent you. But a year or two goes by, or I don't know, whatever period of time goes by, and after he tell you, hmm, that meant well. You know, unfortunately he was a little screwed up. Suppose, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I think I'm giving you, suppose this was 100 years ago. I read into a Jewish communist. I was a real believer. Like the father of Steinsels we talked about the other day. I really believe there were, as you know, there were plenty of Jews that Mamish 100% sincerely believed in communism. Let me get this straight. They thought that this Derek will lead to a better world. Okay? And that all over the world, communism will triumph. All the national uh, enmities will go away. There'll be no more racism. As you know, there'll be a, a, a better economic distribution. At the end of economic maldistribution, um, there'll be and it'll be Mashiach time. This is what they believed. Okay? Uh, and suppose I was walking the street 100 years ago. Could happen in Baltimore. It did. It did. And anywhere else. And I encountered somebody. Let's say it was a relative of mine or a friend. And the guy was a communist. He said, you know, cats, you're a smart guy. You shouldn't be wasting your time with all the yeshiva stuff, all the rest of it. Join us and fix the world. Right? Mamish, now. And I said, now, nah, get out of here. Well, I'm not interested in this. Yeah. And I said to myself, oh, you're a son of a gun. And uh, trying to mess me up and all the rest of it. But, let's say 20 years went by. And I was giving a talk like I'm doing now. And I was looking back. I was thinking, you know, from the perspective of time, the guy was misguided. That's what Rough Cook would say, right? The guy was misguided. You understand? Uh, the idealism was good. It was just in, the, in service of the wrong, you know, cause. Well, it sounds like it's the opposite of what we just said of you in the Rambam. Right? He said, no, no, no. If a guy tried to be Mason Medechu, you have to hate him. And the minute you ease up on the hate and start to say, you know, I understand... It's a question of context, and uh, he meant well. Never, you know, Trotsky uh, was basically good as just a channel in the wrong direction, and so on and so forth. As soon as you do like this, then um, you go even on a low side. Maybe this is why. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is why they say they say that the Chavetz Chaim was like blew up every time he mentioned the communists. And he couldn't stand them. Of course, they did plenty wrong. But I'm just saying, Chavetz Chaim obviously knows Sefer Mitzvahs. I guess it's a mitzvah to keep the hatred for them. Because all the communists, the Jewish communists particularly, was all Mesa Medich. All Mesa Medich. And in general, when you get to the laws of these heretics, Mesa Medich, these are active heretics who try to um, win over Jews to their way of thinking. Uh, the Jewish law is very weird because um, we suspend due process. Usually, we uh, pride ourselves. Or let's put it this way, I shouldn't say that. Usually, Jewish law, as Talmudically expounded, 
is understood to be a very sophisticated old system of law, and the sophistication of it is manifested in its uh, elaborate due process, which in simple English means you can't convict somebody without Adam and Asra and this and that and the other, and they have to be, you know, uh, acknowledged to Asra and say, Alpha Pekang, all these sorts of things. Ain't a Rabbi Kiva say you can't get witnesses once in seven years of bloody court, etc., etc., etc. All this means it's a high bar for getting a conviction. Which usually, under normal circumstances, is understood to be uh, a good thing because it means the system law is wary of uh, punishing somebody unjustly. Right? Unjustly. And so you have all these bars to making sure that if you ever do, uh, then you want to get, um, you know, doggone sure that you got the right perpetrator. Right? That you, could, that you made the right conviction. There's no perfect system, and the best system in the world will sometimes convict an innocent man. That's just a fact. But you try your best. But when it comes to... And that's usually the way it goes in Jewish law. It's not a Hefkerveld out there. But when it's a Mesa Mediach, we've always had... If you look in the Gemara, it's like a military law, martial law. You suspend the rules. You can have Machmani Adim. You can hide Adim to watch him. Sometimes without Adim. And uh, they would go after this in a big way. Uh, the Talmudic laws, which are which make such a big exception, Mesa Mediach, I'm sure have to do with the rise of early Christianity. You know, Tom and Gamora had the early Christians, which was a Jewish sect at the beginning. And so they were seducing Jews over to what they called this new form of Judaism. Uh, and usually they talk about, they have made some idea, they usually have in mind one form of the early Christians. By the way, I spoke about Steinfeld the other day. If you want to see the real references to Christianity in the Talmud Babli, you gotta get the stanza because he has uncensored. One interesting thing. I don't know if he was wise to do or not, but he did it. Is uncensored. So you cannot understand, you can't learn Mesech de Bodhisattva. In my opinion, you can't understand the learn Mesech de Bodhisattva simply because they have all these references there to Yeshu and Notesrim and this and that and the other. And you know, the censors take them out. You understand? The censors take them out. And uh, Steinfeld does not, he put them back in. So, you know. If Rashi or Tosa, anybody talking about Yeshu or St. Peter or this and that and the other, it's all in there, you know. And, uh, you know, Shloshan Yom Lefnei Dam, you have the beginning of, of uh, what do you call it? Oh, of Avodazar, three days before, three days after the holiday. In Steinzal's version, the original morning word says, yeah, for the Christians it's Sunday. <laughs> so, in other words, three days before and three days after the holiday uh, is, is, uh, is uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Well, guess what? You know, there's nothing left, right? Uh, I said it wrong. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Three days before Sunday and three days after Sunday, which means, technically speaking, you can't do any business with a Christian. Uh, now, you know, Toast is obviously... <laughs> let's put it this way. We do business with a Christian, so Toast tries to explain why, how that worked. But whatever the case is, I'm just saying that that's the original Nusach. So you see, in time of the Talmud, in time of the Gemara, the Christians were a big problem in Jewish community in terms of Mesa Medeah, which is just interesting. And here, Moshe Rabbeinu is stressing, according to the Rambam, Moshe Rabbeinu is stressing that um, you have to actively, what's the right word? You, know, you have to actively keep up the, the enmity. Uh, you have to fan the flames of hatred. Uh, you have to bear the grudge. And uh, that's kind of interesting because I don't think you see that anywhere else. I Meaning, I can't think offhand in the Torah. Where else you find that? Usually, you know, we consider uh, this sort of, I mean, maybe I'm all, I don't know, 
but usually considered these to be bad meters. But as with everything else, there's a time and a place for everything. That's the basis, as you know, of the book, uh, what is it called? Orchid Sadiqim. There's a time and place for everything. There's no such thing as a good meter or bad meter. Depends when and where it's uh, displayed. And therefore, if you're looking for a case, where is it a big mitzvah? It's a command uh, to not only hate the person, but to keep that hatred alive for the rest of your life. And as the Ramah said, if you, if you, let, if you let the embers uh, you know, start to uh, uh, be cool, then you're doing a sin. It's, it's, it's the heretic who tried to seduce you to leave Judaism. Um, so you see, the Parsha Rebbe has a lot of striking um, uh, you know, theological, intellectual uh, sins that Moshe Rabbeinu is preoccupied with during his famous speech that he delivers today. And that's enough for now. Have a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.